Welcome to the Rosanna Mod Variety Pod. This is your vessel and host, Rosanna Moluño, and here we go. Hey everyone, this is Rosanna, and here we are at episode 174, 174, and today I'm speaking to you from behind a ProShield mic filter. Go figure. Never had a mic filter before, but uh, with all the distractions and sounds that are coming up from the background, I just figured I might try to see if there's a any kind of an improvement in the uh, way that you hear me. So not that I've had any complaints or anything. I just figured everybody's got a filter. I wonder why. And looking at it, it gives me an idea for a DIY project. (laughs) Make your own mic filter. Today's uh, episode is about Wednesday works. It is business. As you know, we do it on Wednesday, every Wednesday. And today we have 10 things that will destroy a team and what it is that you can do as a manager or leader to improve productivity and morale in your department. We have, I'm just say we, I have these 10 ideas. So here we go. Number one, first thing is on the list. And I did research this online to see what are the things that bring down corporations and companies and seem to derail success. Number one would be micromanaging. I think everybody can agree that that is something that does not work in any kind of an environment. I don't care who you are. It does not work. It is a demoralizer. It shows that you are inflexible as a leader. It shows that you are a little on the selfish side as a leader because you're only worried about the way you handle things, not the way anybody else will feel them. So it's a little bit of a, I'd say, I go out on a limb and say dictatorship almost, authoritarian style. That does not work in a team environment. It never has and it never will. If there's one way that you want to do things and that's the way you do things, good for you. But look at your record and ask yourself, do you have a lot of turnover in your department? Uh, Are a lot of people moving and getting out? Are a lot of people taking lateral moves to get out? They're not getting paid anymore, but they just want to get the hell out of there. Do you have a lot of missed days and people taking off? Do you have a lot of uh, miscommunications and does it seem a little bit depressing? That might be something you might want to pay attention to. And management should definitely pay attention to those kind of teams because who is running those teams is really the one they need to look at. And if that's something that's on the record, then that's something that you need to fix because sooner or later it's going to come back and end in your name and land on your desk. And why didn't you do something about it if you saw all of this change? So that would be number one. Number two has to be no planning. As a leader, do you know where your team is going? Do you have any plans? Do you prioritize? What is it that you want from your team? What are you looking for in the future? Where do you see your team in the next couple of years or the next year or the next few months? I think a lot of teams fail because these leaders don't have anything implemented into uh, the schedule, into what it is that they want for their future. I think they're just in there to work. They punch in, they punch out, and they go home, and they don't really think about what it is that needs to be done to better their team. Number three, no praise. That means a leader who focuses on the negative part of a person, which means really is kind of a cousin of micromanaging. It means you could work every day and do everything right and produce, you know, whatever, wherever it is that you're working and do everything that you're supposed to do, meet your quotas and still be picked on for something, your shoelaces not matching or your white socks showing, or they might say something about the shade 
of your hair color. These are things that actually happened to me. I'm going to be talking about this at some other point. Right now, I just wanted you to know as an employee and as a person who, you know, who's there and who notices these things, these are real problems that exist. I'm not even making this up. I wouldn't be able to make this up. This is actually true. Why are you focusing on on the negative BS that means nothing, that isn't going to hurt you in any way, especially in a job that, that doesn't deal with customers, where you're sitting all day, where you never get to be seen by the public? Why would this bother you in any way? There's no praise. Nobody comes over and says, and I'm not just speaking for myself here, but nobody comes over and says, hey, you know, you're doing a really good job. Leaders need to take the time for that. They need to get up and say, even if it's an email, a mass email to the whole team, it doesn't have to be to the whole team. It doesn't have to be because not the whole team is working the right way. There might be one or two who are lazy, who are not doing their job, who don't want to do their job. Well, maybe they won't get the email. Just send it to the few that you see, that you appreciate and let them know. You know what? I noticed that you did blah, blah, blah this week. I noticed that you, I don't know, wrote a manual out for everybody. I noticed how you were helping, you know, this person and I didn't ask you to help them. You did it on your own. I appreciate you. I think that that's really great. You know, oh, I'll remember this. I'll remember that. That's those little words right there can mean so much to the morale of a department. You really don't know unless you've sat in that department. And unless you've sat in that department, I'm speaking to the management team right now, unless you've actually sat in that department, you really don't know what the team is going through. Which brings me to a bonus. This is not a number. This is a bonus, which is my idea. Why don't we have suggestion boxes for teams? Why do we have interviews and reviews for our employees, but we don't have them for our superiors? Don't you think they need to get uh, reprimanded as well? Don't you think that they deserve to be looked at also? I believe that we need to have back and forth a give and take to make the team more fair and to also instill trust in the organization that we work for. And I believe that idea is worthwhile to try and I believe that it will work. What I mean by that is when you have your review every quarter, as some organizations do, and the supervisor and the manager or the team leader sit there and basically knock you down or pick you up or whatever, they let you know how you did that quarter. I believe we should do the same thing in reverse. We should all be able to give constructive criticism to the supervisor and the team lead and the manager and have it put on their records what we think. Why not? Number four, inflexibility. What's inflexibility? It's when you can't bend a little bit for the sake of your team. It's when you have a leader that refuses to have a human side. It's when you have a leader that writes up dress codes to include pants cannot be more than two inches above the ankle. When you're working in a really hot environment or you're living in a hot state, it's like 90 degrees. And one of the rules is you can't wear open-toed shoes or you can't wear capris, you know, or they, things that make absolutely no sense, like the two inches above the ankle, what are they going to do? Measure your legs when you walk in the door? If you're not even working in a customer service background where you're not even dealing with the customer, what does it matter? That's what I'm talking about. That inflexibility, that lack of common sense, that lack of empathy for people means it's telling me that you are so it's not just inflexible it's more than that it goes it goes deeper than that it's almost borderline narcissist it's like you're so power driven or so 
into your own title, that you're blinded by anything else. You just want these rules to be out there. Why? If they make no sense for everybody, they don't make any sense. What are you getting out of it? What kind of high are you getting from this? Obviously, you're getting something out of it because nobody else is. It's not making any sense. These turnoffs compile on top of each other and keep compiling on top of each other until people start resenting where they work. They start resenting comes out in how they work and how they perform. Common sense. Number five, no training. How many times have you worked in an organization where you fall in and you're given a couple of hours of instruction to sit with a coworker? Team leader is uh, not available for whatever reason. A supervisor is always busy. So you're left training with some coworker who gives you misinformation because when you go back and you learn something else, you're given another coworker to learn from. And then you're jumping into another coworker's desk to learn. So you have which I call Frankenstein training because you didn't have the plan. Why don't you have the plan? Because you're ineffective. The plan here should always be when you have a new people, new people in departments. As a business owner myself, it's very simple to see what you have to do. As an educator, I see how easy it is. You need to have uniform training in organizations. Otherwise, you're going to have a Frankenstein training. And that means everybody learns from different people, gets wrong information and right information mixed together, which spells chaos. You can't ask this person because she trained with uh, number A. And then you can't ask that person because they trained with number B. And A and B have totally different ways of doing things. Also, the employee has different ways of learning. You can't expect everybody to learn the same way. I'm a very visual learner, so I learn better with screenshots. I have to see manuals. I have to read. I need books. I need to have that filter into my eyes so that I can learn. I don't work well, you know, orally with people talking to me and explaining to me, you know, in condescending manners, that's not how you teach somebody. And if that's the kind of person that you have teaching somebody, then that person shouldn't be teaching anybody. And if that person is at a level where they're supposed to teach somebody, you need to do something. That's your problem. That's your problem. You can't pin it on the employee if you can't keep your shit together. Number six, too personal and too friendly. When a leader is too personal and too friendly, they run the risk of loss of respect. This is true. Just like when you raise a child, you raise them as a parent, as a mother, as a father. You don't raise them as a friend. They're not your buddy. You know, hey, bud, sure, you can stay out late. It's not a problem, honey. Don't worry about it. Hey, we're cool, right? Trying to be the cool parent. What, what does that get you when you're a cool parent? Do you get a cool kid? You get a kid, you have to constantly bail out of jail <laughs> because that kid knows that you're going to help him out because you're his buddy. No respect and also no uh, nobody to look up to. You're not setting an example. You need to be above, not on the same level. You have to be above the employee in respects to how you teach them and how you treat them. And respect is something that you earn. It's not something that's given. So you don't just respect somebody because they're your superior. You respect them if they respect you, in res especially if you're working as an adult in a corporation or organization that involves adults. I'm not a kid. 
Don't treat me like a kid. If you want me to respond to you as an adult, then you're going to treat me as an adult. And you're going to treat me with respect, no matter who you are. You know, I can only give you as much as you give me. And that's the way it should be. This isn't elementary school. This is work. We leave our personal family time and our times in our life and our personal things to come to work. We work because we have to, not because we necessarily like it. It's always good to keep in mind that people do have lives after five o'clock. Number seven is favoritism. How many times have you lost a position because the boss had a cousin who was working there or maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend or maybe just a friend or daughter, a son being moved up in the ranks of your organization while you're sitting there working and wondering why the hell did he get it or why did she get that? And you were completely, you know, basically just set aside or just talked to in an interview because they had to go through the motions, but technically they already had the winner. Favoritism is a very big no-no. Favoritism could be seen as nepotism. Of course, that's a different story, but favoritism You know, just because you're buddy-buddy with somebody doesn't mean that you have to do them any favors. If they broke the rules and if they're doing something wrong, you need to take them aside and speak to them. I pay you for a position. I pay you to do something. And if you can't do it, then tell me that you can't do it. Is there something that we can work out? Is this something that's what's problem here? Is there a miscommunication? Do you not understand what I need? Or maybe you need uh, for me to teach you in a different way. Do you learn in a different way? These are conversations that I've actually had with people. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with communicating how you feel. It's much better to communicate how you feel than not, because then you're left assuming. And what happens when you're left assuming? You're usually wrong about things, or you could be wrong, and you run the risk of being wrong. And that's detrimental to any company. So you have to learn like psychology 101 on how to deal with different people, different cultures, different ages. You have to get into their head. You have This is training that needs to be implemented in every organization. If your HR doesn't have that, you need to get it. Get somebody to speak and explain psychology to these managers and to these team leaders and to these supervisors so they know what they're doing because they're running down your company. They're running down your organization. People are leaving and finding positions elsewhere because you don't know how to do your job, because you don't know what's going on in your own house, because you don't take the time to care and look and ask, because you're afraid to ask. I should put Jack Nicholson in there. You can't handle the truth. You see what I'm saying? That's exactly what you need. Really, that's the truth. You just don't want to know. You're happy going home with your 90 grand a a year, and you don't really care about anything else. You're just going through the motions just like everybody else. You don't think we see that. Employees see that when when a leader cares really about them, or they just care about their paycheck. We see that. Number eight, does not communicate well with team. That's very true. Doesn't communicate well isn't available, is always busy. I can understand if somebody's busy. What I can understand is if it happens all the time, when you're asking for a question or you need help with something or you have a problem and they just kind of shush you away and say, go ask your team leader. Or you're doing the, or the backwards. You ask your team leader and they say, uh, no, not right now. Ask your, ask your supervisor. That's not my job. Ask your supervisor. What is that? Who picked you as a team leader for you to say, really? Who did? How'd you get there? That's what I want to know, because that's what a team lead does. 
They're supposed to be in charge of the training. They're supposed to be in charge. They are the right hand of the supervisor. They help the supervisor when the supervisor's too busy. Okay, so communicate. Open that line. Somebody wants to talk to you, that means somebody's, something's bothering them. Take the time. Say, I'll be with you in a second. What's going on? If they don't have time to talk to you physically or you have an office and they can't come in and you're, you're on the phone, email them. Say, hey, I just saw you. Did you, did you need to talk to me? Let's set, up a, let's set up a little time where you can come in and talk to me about it. Is what's going on. Open door policies work all the time. Yes, they do. But if you have an open door policy and nobody's coming in, you got to ask yourself why. Are they afraid? What's the team atmosphere out there? Do you feel it? Is it negative? What's going on? Are people leaving? Why? What kind of movement is going on out there? Are you not seeing it? Do you have a window that you can look out of every once in a while? What, what does it look like to you? Does it look like a mess? Does, do, are people unhappy? Do you see people going out to their car instead of going out into the break room? Why are they going out to their car and not the break room? I've always wondered that question. I used to work in companies where they had the greatest break rooms. We would just hang out or just cool, just watch TV, you know, just chill and talk with other employees. And it was great. Nobody went out to their cars. The only people that went out to their cars, especially when it's 102 degrees out, really think about that, 102 degrees and sitting in your car in the heat are people that couldn't stand being in the building. Why don't you want to be in the building? Why do you want to go out to your car? Don't you like our big screen TV and our comfy sofas? What's going on? That to me is a huge beacon. It's like this big red light shining in my face saying, what's wrong here? Something's very, very wrong. And you're missing every opportunity to fix it. And if anything bad happens, good for you. And by bad, I mean you lose respect and you lose employees. Number nine, doesn't allow ambitious employees to seek out more education or training offered by HR. Here we go. How many times have I, have I gone through this? HR offers all of this education, free education. A couple of hours here and there. Learn Excel, learn Word, learn SharePoint how to deal with difficult people, how to deal with sexual harassment, anything that would benefit you as an employee to be a better, stronger team member and a leader telling you, no, you can't, rejecting you. Why? Because staffing issues. What staffing issues? You got new people coming in? Is that the staffing issue? So what? Why is that my problem? What do I have to do with the new staffing issue? What do I have to do with the new people? Absolutely nothing. I'm not the trainer and I'm not a team leader. So it shouldn't have anything to do with me. A couple of hours isn't going to hurt the department, me being gone. But you know what would hurt more? Me being gone the entire day. That would hurt more, wouldn't it? Number 10, do as I say and not as I do. Leaders not leading by example. It's so clear to me when a person has reached a pivotal moment in their success where they were given an opportunity to be in charge of something and totally somehow screwed it up because they were put there by any of the previous reasons that I just gave you. No training, favoritism, doesn't communicate well, too personal and friendly. That person was given that opportunity by somebody that they knew or that was trying to do them a favor. And now as completely unaccomplished as they are, untrained, unwilling to learn, don't care attitude, entitled, 
walks into this position, what do you think this person's going to do with the rest of the team? Do you think they're going to set a good example? No, because they've been spoiled not to do it. So they're going to sit there and they're going to look you right in the eye and they're going to say, that's not my job, even though it is their job. That's not my job. I don't have to do that. I don't want to do that. Add a little attitude in there. See what you get. What are you going to tell this person? I know what I would tell them. I tell them to find the exit. Depending on where you work, you might have to go through a few steps, but that's what I would do. I definitely, as me personally, as a leader, I would not need that person in my, in my organization simply because they poison the rest of it. They go in, they infiltrate, and they poison the rest of the team with their negativity, with their attitude, with their pessimism, with their entitlement, their laziness. You're not helping this team at all. What you're doing is they're going to fall down one at a time, just like dominoes, you know, and if that's the kind of organization that you want, well, congratulations, you just made it. Everybody should have a clear vision of what it is that they want out of their team. They should have one common goal all together. What is the common goal? To serve who? Who are you serving? Who's the customer here? What are you doing for the customer? Why do you even have a team? And ask yourself this, what would you do if tomorrow you walked into your office and your team was just not there? They just decided not to come in. What would you do? What would you do differently? Let's say they all left and you were in charge of hiring new people, brand new people to replace the other ones that were there before. What would you do? Who would you choose for each position? Who would be your team lead? Would it be somebody that uh, you like in a friendly way? Would they just be cool and you just think they're about your age so you think they're all right? Same culture maybe? Same background? Maybe they live in your neighborhood? Maybe you know their kid or their brother or their sister. Maybe you're, they're part of the family. Is that who you pick? Do you go through their resume and actually look and see what their skills are? Do you even bother to read their skills? Or you're just going by what HR tells you or what the other previous supervisor tells you about them. Maybe they were transferred internally. Do you trust the previous supervisor? What about the interview process? What do you ask? In retrospect, and to end this show, I just want you to know this is not about my organization or wherever I work. It is definitely where I worked, past tense. It might be where I work. I'm not going to say that it is. But if it sounds like you, then maybe it is you. And if you can do something about it, then why don't you? It's very easy to lose respect and trust. And it's very hard to gain that back. So on that note, I hope that that helped you get ready for tomorrow for Thursday love and we will be discussing other things and I hope that you like the way that my voice sounded today. I don't know what it sounds like yet. So when I edit it, I'll notice, but I did notice that I don't have any red lines when I cough. Yeah, see, I just coughed. I didn't you didn't hear me, but it doesn't have those red lines on my audacity. So I noticed that it probably does turn down a little bit of it. Maybe you can't hear my air conditioning with this. It's on because it's like a hundred million degrees outside. It's so hot. Okay, so on that note, uh, talk to you soon and 
Thanks for stopping in. Don't forget to like, share, and comment, and I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, and what do we say? 